All right. So things are a little bit different this morning. We're like making you sit by each other and stuff. And, but like, hey, we came down to get closer with you too. So we just, it's been stirring in our heart for a while, just this, that there's some practical things in the room that goes beyond the practical of the room. It goes to really the heartbeat of our church and who we're called to be. And just that sense of being connected to one another and in community with one another. And so we're just prayerfully saying to, to God all the time, Lord, what can we be doing to be who you've called us to be? And so many of you, maybe all of you saw the announcement we made on Friday. If you missed that, you're gonna hear it now. Um, we've decided to stop live streaming our services on Sunday morning. Um, we purposely didn't do it the first several years of our existence. We just, we, we are called to be the gathered body of Christ. And so then to, to be as connected as we could be through COVID, we, we made the decision to record services and live stream services. And we've been wrestling for months of if, if we're to continue that or not. So I know it's a big thing and I, I get that it is a sacrifice. I get that there are just real times where it's like, I'm sick, I'm not feeling well, I'm traveling, it'd be nice to tune in. And I get that. And um, guess what? We, we love you and are praying for you when you're sick and when you're traveling, be present there. And then when you're back with us the next week, we're gathered and worshiping. And so um, we will still record the sermon audio so we can kind of stay in tune with what we're all studying together. And so we'll post those early in the week for you. So anyways, if you have questions about that, concerns about that, if, if we're just flat out wrong and you want to tell us that, you can, I got thick skin, you can tell me that. Um, it's all right. Um, but I know this, God has called us to be the, his connected body and, and we need each other. And so we just want to participate in that more and more. Um, and with that in mind, we're going to continue our series on the church this morning. And we're talking very specifically about the presence of God, about the presence of God in our midst, individually and corporately. Um, the church is meant to house and share the presence of God. That's what the church is meant to do. Um, we've talked about other things that we're called as the church. We've talked about body so far. We've talked about being a family. Guys, we're, we're also called the temple. Like part of the beauty of the church is it's not about a building. There are places where we can gather that are special and wonderful. I'm glad we have a, a spot to come and meet and gather. But the, his temple now is us. And so we are the temple. And so we are meant to house God's presence in us and then friends, we're meant to, meant to share in his presence together and then take that to a world in need. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So let's pray. And then we're gonna open in Acts 2 again. We'll read verse 42, which we've been working our way through. And now we're moving into verse 43 together this morning. And so let's pray, invite God and his presence to come and speak to our hearts that we could hear and receive what he has for us today. Um, and, and not only hear it, but like, you know, get it like it sinks down deep. And so, Lord, would you come and do that? Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, we thank you that, that you came and there's so much that you did for us, Jesus. You, you, you laid down your life for us. You rose from the grave that we might have newness of life. But Jesus, I wanna thank you especially this morning that you showed us what it looks like to live in intimate connection with God. You, you chose to stay intimately connected with your father. And then you told us, your prayer for us is that we would experience that intimacy with you and with the father. And you taught us 
that it was for our benefit that you ascend to heaven so that the Holy Spirit would come. That he would be the great connector in our lives that connects us to you, O oh God, and connects us with one another. And so Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself this morning? Teach us who you are. Help us to learn to walk in step with you, to cooperate with you. But God, would you make yourself known in our lives? May the scripture come alive, but may, may it open up our eyes to you and your presence daily, regularly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 42 and 43. The church, these, this early gathering of, of Jesus' followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We've kind of been unpacking all of that stuff in previous weeks. It's about doctrine, being devoted and anchored in the life and teaching of Jesus. It's being devoted to fellowshipping with one another, praying together, worshiping together, breaking bread in each other's homes. Like all of these things are a part of us coming and, and learning who God is and learning how to live life with him and, and learning more and more to be connected with one another. And then we get to verse 43 and it says, and awe, or your translation might say fear. It's the fear of the Lord is what's being described here. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Friends, we've talked about all of these key elements um, of devotion for us as the saints of God. These, these things that we should be participating in and the benefits that come out of that. Um, all of this comes alive in verse 43. Like we see the results of it. Have any of you guys ever gone to a wax museum? Ever been to one? Uh, okay, a couple of you are nodding. Okay, are you familiar with what a wax museum is, right? Okay, from my perspective, it's a really bizarre place uh, is what a wax museum is. I find them to be very strange. Um, just this kind of like, it, well, that's, that's sort of Babe Ruth, I guess. It kind of looks like him, but it's this weird molded, I mean, it's just a strange thing. And so, but we go to it to like, learn about maybe some history, learn about these characters. Um, it, the idea behind it is it makes them feel a little more real to me, right? Like I can kind of see their face and maybe the clothes they would have been wearing in their period of time. And so the idea behind it is for me to learn about these people and their history and for them to feel a little more real to me. Is that what it actually produces? I mean, that's the goal. Do they feel more real to you? They don't feel more real to me. It feels strange and feels bizarre. Without the presence of God, that's what we're doing. We can have all the doctrine in the world and we can all kind of get in a room together or in a home together and we can like do the stuff. But without the presence of God, it's like a wax museum. There's no real life. Does that make sense? That's God's heart for us. And friends, far too often, the church can slip into this. You know, there's, there's beauty in some of our rituals and routines and things that we do. But the, the, the downside to that, if we're not careful, is it just becomes a ritual and a routine. And it has no life in it. Those, those things that we do consistently, the devotion that the early church experienced, the devotion that God calls us to, to gather together, to pray for one another, to learn about him. 
the whole idea of that is that we would be experiencing his presence. And so when God's presence shows up in the midst of people who are learning and receiving and basing their lives upon his word, when a group of people are committed to each other, bearing each other's burdens, uh, holding each other accountable, getting in each other's boat, as we said last week, when we are committing ourselves to that, that's a wonderful thing. When God's presence is invited into that, it becomes real and it becomes alive. And this is what it produces. It produces awe and wonder. Guys, it's a miraculous thing that a random group of people could come together that have nothing else in common except for Jesus. Like it's, it's stunning that we get along at all. <laughs> That's a miracle of God, but, but his presence comes and makes that real. And so what I wanna talk to you about this morning, like I'm gonna do some teaching. Like I wanna walk us through some things for us to grab hold of and understand. But guys, my goal this morning is not to go, here's the wax museum, Look at these cool little things, these figures we can put in place. Isn't that all neatly arranged? There's the church. Like, like hungry people need real food. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so that's my heart this morning. And so we're going to talk about the presence of God, and we've got two main points, all right? Two main points. Number one, the presence of God unites us in peace. The presence of God unites us in peace. So building off of uh, Acts chapter two, verse 43, we now move a little bit further into Acts and I wanna give you some context that leads up to this point. So this church that was birthed and born, they begin to go through some like stuff, real stuff. Um, first of all, they see some miraculous things taking place. Some people get healed. It's unbelievable. The Holy Spirit is moving People's lives are being transformed. So there's like physical healings, signs and wonders that they're seeing. But, but even more than that, they're watching people's lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus. They're, they're, and so they're experiencing that together. So there's miracles, there's growth. Um, also, man, they experience some, some hard things, some hard things. And so they see things like compromise, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where it's like, we're kind of playing church instead of really being in this and to devastating consequences, if you know that story. They begin to experience persecution. Everything from stop uh, proclaiming Jesus or we're gonna throw you in prison to, to Stephen being martyred for his faith. So they experience persecution that leads to death. So like we move past this rosy picture of like, they're studying doctrine, they're having meals. There's so much joy, it's like, Life hits, life hits. And in the midst of all of that, Saul has an encounter with Jesus, their very enemy who was driving some of this persecution of the church, who was standing in approval at Stephen's stoning. Paul goes from an enemy to a brother. And so we arrive now, they have lived out Acts 2, 42 through 46 for a while, and they've lived it out in the midst of real life. They've experienced real pain, real difficulty, real struggle. They've always also experienced the miraculous and growth and life in Jesus. And it's in this context that we arrive at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had 
peace. They had peace. Now, did you notice it's expanded because where we start in Acts 2, 42 and 43, that's in Jerusalem. And so this thing is growing and it's spreading. It's going beyond on the borders of just that initial group of people. It's spreading out. And so it produced peace. Peace is in the midst of God's people. The church is being built up and it has peace. That word peace, um, it means rest. Like, rest. It means unity because it's not just about individual peace. This word is actually about corporate peace. And so there is unity amongst the people. Um, In fact, the word even means love of peace. So I'm not just experiencing some peace in my life. I'm not just grateful that like, hey, me and Nick are getting along pretty good. Like we've got some peace in our relationship, but like I'm, I'm falling in love with the peace that God brings. I want to see it extended. I want to participate in it. And so it's this growth. It's a love for peace, for harmony. It literally means a state of peace or tranquility between individuals. It's that shalom of God. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, unites us in peace. Now, I want you to see some things here. First of all, the Holy Spirit's presence arrived in the atmosphere of peace and unity. That's, that's how his presence came on the scene. I wanna, wanna go backwards just a tad bit here. When, when Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven, he gave some specific instructions. And he said, you need to wait until you receive power. You need to wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to stop and wait. Don't go any further wait on the presence of the Spirit. He's coming. And so the disciples gathered, and I want to pick this up here in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And when they had entered, talking about Jerusalem, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord, unity, peace, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In fact, the next verse goes on to tell us there was about 120 of them gathered. I love that the scripture records their names. It's personal. It's personal. Like these are known people. We know each other. We're walking through life together and we are uniting together in one accord to wait for God's presence to show up. They were united. We move into Acts chapter two. After days of gathering and praying and waiting on the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That word all together, it's the exact same word as one accord. It's unity. It's unity. And so all together and one accord, that, those words mean one mind or unanimous in purpose. We want the same thing. We want God's presence. We need him. We need him in our midst. Jesus just ascended to heaven. He was it. He was our anchor. Like we were living life with him. We literally were around him all the time. And we were receiving life from him and learning from him and walking with him. And 
And so now he's ascended and we're like, we're, we're on our own here. And so we know what that was like. And he told us, don't take a step forward without the presence of God. So we're not going to. And so we are united in the unanimous purpose to wait on the presence of God. That was their mentality. And so the Holy Spirit came into that atmosphere, into the atmosphere of one accord. And so our unity invites him in. So things we've already been talking about, friends, along the way about our connection with one another, just being committed to one another, like it prepares the ground. It's like it's tilling up the soil and getting it ready to receive what God wants to plant in us. When we link arms together and say, man, we're in this together. Like, I need Jesus. You need Jesus? I need Jesus. And so let's, let's look for him. Let's watch for him. Let's pray together. Let's be connected. And it lays the groundwork. And so, and so unity invites the presence of God, but also it's the presence of God that, that creates and, and holds up unity, maintains unity. Check this out. This is in Ephesians chapter four. The same spirit that came by unity now works to build up and maintain that unity. Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. My mindset is that I wanna be united with my brothers and sisters. And my reality is, I need the Spirit's presence to maintain that unity. <laughs> that is a gift that only he brings. You know how I continue to walk in unity with Alex? Like, I'm gonna need some humility to do that. There's times where I have to lay down my agendas, my ideas, my pride, um, because it, it, I know it's not easy for Alex uh, to have to put up with me. And like, sometimes it's not easy for me to put up with Alex. And so... I need the Spirit's presence to come and help produce this stuff in my life. Like I'm in need of humility, patience. Have you ever tried to do that stuff in your relationships on your own strength? I've spent a lot of my life trying to do this stuff on my own strength. Man, it doesn't work. <laughs> a, and, and when it does work, it's exhausting. There have been times in my life where I feel like, like I've been in the midst of like maybe some conflict and I'm trying to help bring some resolution to some conflict. And it can feel like I'm just being pulled a million different directions. And I'm like, I'm trying to fix this thing that I can't fix. That's right, I can't. It takes the presence of God to come and produce in us what we can't produce in ourselves. See, the beauty of God's presence in our lives is these things that we crave for. Like, I want a place where I'm loved and I'm welcomed and I belong. I want a place where, man, people are committed to loving me and, and I'm in it with them and, and we're devoted to Jesus. Like, I want a place like that. Well, it's the presence of God that makes that possible in us. And so the Holy Spirit works to produce unity. Let me summarize all of it like this. Being unanimous in mind means we all want unity. Okay, we all want it. And so God, we're here, we want this. We wanna be connected with you and with each other. So we are unanimous in purpose to that end. But it's also acknowledging over here, God, I can't do that. I can't force it. I can't make it happen. I need your help. And so we're unanimous in saying we want this and we're unanimous in saying, God, help. Bring your presence into our lives, into our midst. God, we need you here. And he goes, 
you got it. I'm in. It's good and pleasant when his children dwell together in unity. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. He sees, he sees the heart and the intent and he says, let me provide what you don't have. Guys, what this is really all about, this is about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit produces stuff in us that we just don't have on our own. Some of us might inherently be more patient than others. Some of us might inherently just in our personality be more gentle than others. But the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit of God comes only through his presence. And so some of the same things Paul's describing there in Ephesians chapter four, they make the list in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. See, the byproduct of the presence of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of healthy relationships. It's the byproduct. Listen to this list. Y'all know this, you're familiar with this, I think. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. In fact, like, who wants to be against any of that? I want to experience that. I want to receive that. I want to be a part of that. Listen, friends, the, the fruit of the Spirit, there, there's a reason God, God uses this terminology, okay? Fruit is just something that grows out of a tree. Like here's the tree, it's this type of tree, it grows this kind of fruit, and that kind of tree will produce this kind of fruit. It won't produce a different kind of fruit, it will only produce that. Not only that, for that tree to produce fruit, it's gotta have roots in healthy soil, it's gotta get the right amount of sunlight bringing life to it and water feeding the roots. And that tree, it takes some time. It takes some time. It takes time for a tree to get established, to get strong, and to eventually start producing fruit. Friends, we, when we plant ourselves in the, the soil that God gives us, when we're taking in his word, when we're committed to one another, when we're inviting his presence, the Holy Spirit comes and the natural byproduct is he produces all these things that we long for. That environment where there's life and there's peace and there's joy, there's community, it's something that God, God's presence produces that we cannot maintain on our own. Now, here's the deal. We often read those two verses just on their own. Like, here's the fruit of the Spirit, there's the list. Isn't that great? Doesn't that sound nice? But we need to hear it in context. Check out the next few verses. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Oh, there's this wonderful fruit to be experienced. How does that happen? I gotta die. <laughs> They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. On our own, left to our own devices, we actually undermine the very process of what God wants to do in us. And so friends, the way to, to experience the fruit of the presence of God, it is a huge yes to him. It is a huge no to me, to my flesh. It involves surrender. 
and evolves from. Do you think it was fun for those 120 people to gather day after day after day in that upper room? Like, I think there were elements of fun. Like, man, I'm with my friends and we're committed to this. So I don't want to paint like a gloomy picture. But like, I guarantee you, like that probably got old at times. How much longer is this going to last? When is this going to happen? Like there's, there's challenges in that. But they said, God, we're, we are committed to this process of being united together. And we're desperate for your presence. And the Holy Spirit comes and when he does, he unites us in peace and he produces fruit in our lives that change things. The fruit of the Spirit, guys, is about our character. Our character. God is shaping us individually so he can fit us together collectively. See, fruit is is meant for others to experience. It's not just like the Holy Spirit comes into my life and gives me fruit that I get to sit and eat. Cool, I got a little more peace today. I got a little more joy today. No, the idea is that I'm, I'm experiencing God's presence in my life. And so the people that I'm around are getting a taste of love, a taste of peace, a taste of joy. We're sharing it with one another. We're gonna move into talking about the gifts of the spirit in just a minute. And I, I just wanna say that it is so essential in our, not just our understanding, but in our experience in day-to-day life, friends, that we don't separate the fruit of the spirit from the gifts of the spirit. It is vitally important that we see them connected together. The Holy Spirit is interested in my character. He's interested in a relationship with me and he's interested in me growing, maturing, growing in godly character that that will contribute to healthy relationships with other people. The fruit of the Spirit is about peace and unity in the body. Second thing now, the presence of God not only produces or unites us in peace, the presence of God builds up his church. It builds up his church. Back to Acts 9, 31. I kind of stopped at peace. Let's continue it now. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up. Their unity was producing something. They were being built into something. Now this word build, like the most literal translation of this, build, of this word build is to build a house. And it, it holds within the idea, like building something that didn't exist. All right, so I'm building a new house. The same word can also be used to make repairs. So I'm, re- I'm repairing the house. Even thirdly, it means to amplify. So I'm not just repairing things that are broken. I'm doing some updates. I'm getting the new kitchen put in. We're upgrading the master bathroom. Like it's, it's, it's lifting it up higher, better, making improvements. And so what's happening to the church, God's temple, his people, is as they're walking in unity and experiencing the presence of God, they are being built. Something new is being built that didn't exist because people were being added to their numbers daily. But also along the way, they're not just being built, they're being repaired. Like, We're bound to have some things that kind of break down and struggle along the way, but the presence of God brings the ability for us to find reconciliation with one another, repairing broken places. And it it amplifies, it grows, it enriches. There's three main passages. These are in the notes if you download them later, but there's three main passages that really give us a picture of how the Holy Spirit gifts us 
to empower the work of the church being built up. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. I want to give you just a taste of each of these this morning. So first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 7. I want you to pay attention why the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So you hear the unity that's just inherently built in? It's like baked in. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what purpose? The common good. The common good. Friends, it is worth noting that Paul's letter to the Corinthian church was largely written to correct disunity. It was largely written to correct disunity, dysfunction in that body. And so he's reminding them and equipping them to walk in their gifting. But he's always keeping in front of them the purpose. The gifts are being given for the building up of the body. Not for building up your own ego. Not for repairing some wound that you've got in your heart where like your identity is being, you know, somehow wrapped up in your gift and so it's making me feel better about myself. No, my identity is I'm a son and daughter of Jesus. I belong to God. I'm his. That's my identity. The gifts are not about me having a badge or feeling important or boosting my ministry. The gifts are for the common good. They're for one another. This is why the fruit and the gifts have to be tied together. Listen, guys, so many people have been turned off by the gifts, and a lot of it is because the church has done a poor job tying them with godly character. And so it's confusing when someone is misusing the gifts in some way that actually brings harm or damage to the body instead of building it up. Now, what I won't ever apologize for is the mystery of the miraculous power of God. Being open to the gifts of the Spirit, some of them sound great and comfortable and I want them. You know, hospitality, that sounds great. I love it when I'm feeling welcomed into somebody's home, having a good meal. Man, I, I can relate to some hospitality. Whoa, people speaking in a weird language, believing for miracles of healing, like that's, that's a little scary. That territory's scary. Well, God is a miraculous God who cares about people and loves people and wants to meet needs. Jesus stood up and, and declared why he came by reading a passage from the Old Testament that declared, I'm bringing sight for the blind. I'm gonna heal the sick. I'm gonna raise the dead. God wants to move miraculously to heal, to restore, and to bring us into a healthy relationship with him and each other. And so there are elements of saying, God, we want your presence. That might feel a little bit scary. But friends, if we realize that God loves us and he designed us to, to house his presence and that he wants us to share and enjoy his fruit and that the gifts aren't meant to be weird or scare us, they're meant to, to bring health and life to people in need. There's some people that are going, hey, I want to be built up by God miraculously touching me and healing my physical body. Man, I could use some of that. Man, I have been oppressed and I am struggling and I need some freedom 
from what I'm experiencing in my life. I need some freedom from addiction. Yeah, I want that remodel job. Well, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want to use you guys. Isn't it interesting that he purposely creates an environment where we need each other? He purposely only gives us certain gifts. Caleb, he wants me to need you so much so that he might withhold a gift from me and only give it to you because then I have to be in connection with you to receive that thing I need. Isn't that cool? I mean, maybe that bums us out because we just like to have it all and not need each other. That'd be, that'd be nice. No, he wants us to, to risk that kind of vulnerability because he knows it's good for us, that we each carry pieces of the gifts he, give, he gives so we can build one another up. It is, it is so important, friends, and it is not a mistake that when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, that chapters 12 and 14 address in detail the gifts of the Spirit, including proper use and improper use. And that right between Corinthians chapter 12 and Corinthians chapter 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody know what 1 Corinthians 13 is referred to as? You can shout it out, it's okay. Love, it's the love chapter. And, and listen, it's good to just take it and read it and soak in it. That was put right in between chapters 12 and 14 on purpose. That we would recognize that the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give is all about love for each other. The very thing that has divided sections of the church was meant to do the opposite. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that he gives the church are meant to build us up and it's meant to be anchored in love. So not only does he place that right there in between chapters 12 and 14, let's go back over to Ephesians 4 for just a minute. We just read the first few verses. Now here's some verses that we have read earlier in this series. This is verses 11 and 12, and then I'm gonna skip down and do 15 and 16. So in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he's talking about gifts. In Ephesians 4, he's talking about roles in the church, hats that we wear, if you will, to, to minister to one another. And he says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For what? For building up the body of Christ. It's the same word. It's the same phrase. Building up. Verse 15. We are to grow up, same concept, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each heart is working properly. When I'm experiencing the presence of God, I'm surrendered and yielded to him. His fruit is growing in me. I'm saying yes and amen to whatever gifts he's given me. As we are working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Same thing. The world cries out for love constantly. The world is even constantly trying to define for us what love is, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. The world is desperate for this because we are desperate, all of us individually, we're desperate for love. And God is saying, I have poured out my great love into your life and I want you to be built up experiencing this love together. And so I'm calling you to, to study what I have to say. 
I'm calling you to purpose to lean into relationship with each other, but I'm calling you to receive my presence in your life that I may begin to grow and produce something in you that it is impossible for you to muster up on your own. In fact, you're not even supposed to try. You're gonna rest in me as I produce this in you. And then I'm gonna give you gifts that you might build one another up in love. And so the the final chapter that I, I referenced that addresses the gifts of the Spirit and how that operates is in Romans chapter 12. I wanna read verses four and five. I just want you, I want to emphasize to you how this is repeated over and over and over again. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need each other experiencing the presence of God. I love this. Go back and read this on your own. I'm just gonna highlight some of these. Just from verses nine through 18 in this passage, here's some of the things Paul says about what should be produced in our midst. Let love be genuine, like the real deal, the authentic thing, real love. Not the wax museum version. Not putting on a fake smile and trying to be nice. Genuine love and care for one another. Let your love be genuine. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Like I'm, I'm in this like family. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So my love stretches me sacrificially. Like I give and meet needs and I open up my life and my home to my friends. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Friends, the gifts of the Spirit are about equipping. They're God's gifts to us individually so he can build us up collectively. We need the presence of God. I don't wanna just hear about the fruits, hear about the list, study those lists and go, "I I, I think I've learned about those. I think I understand them. Friends, I need, you need, we need the presence of God in our lives. We need to position ourselves to say, God, would you show up and move in my heart, in my life? God, I I read through the the fruit of the Spirit and I recognize where I'm sorely lacking. And and maybe the simple step this morning is to, to say, God, for far too long, I've just tried to do that stuff on my own. God, I wanna receive your love and your presence in my life. Would you more and more shape me and mold me. Lord, would you help identify areas where where I can lay something down I need to lay down to say yes and surrender to you? Maybe you're in a place this morning where, you know, Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed about the gifts. Maybe your church experience or background, like you you didn't get too involved in that. You weren't very open to that. Maybe you've been in an environment where that, that the gifts were operating often, regularly, and you saw that. I don't know where you might be, but let's, let's be informed on the gifts that God has for us and say yes to them. God, what do you want to give me? What do you want to give this body that we might mutually build one another up to promote love, to experience unity? That's what God has for us. We're gonna spend a little bit more time in the coming weeks getting more specifically into the gifts of the Spirit. And I just, I wanna encourage you guys, 
let's all be united in purpose. Saying, Holy Spirit, show up in my life. God, if you want to stretch me in some way, if you want to teach me something that I don't know, God, if, if you want to build up something new that I haven't experienced in my life, would you do that? Lord, if you need to repair something that's been broken, maybe, maybe you've been hurt along the way in some, in some church relationships. Maybe you've been hurt in some way in your experience with the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating. Like, I don't know. Well, God doesn't just build new things. He remodels. He repairs. But you know, you know what, what else I love? It's that third piece. It's like taking what we have and expanding on it. Doing the new kitchen. You can tell I'm thinking about, I'd love to have our kitchen redone. That's where my brain is. Lord, hey, I'm grateful for where I am. Lord, where, where do you want me to be? Where do you want us to be, God? What do you want to do here in our midst? How can we operate as a body of believers that's experiencing your life and your presence consistently and regularly in our lives? I want that. Anybody else with me? Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's invite him to come and to do this. The presence of God, it produces awe and wonder. I never read the end of uh, Acts 9.31. Let me read it now and we'll pray. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and it multiplied. It multiplied. Awe, fear, and comfort. Only in God do those two things make sense. Only in God do I have the sense of awe to say, God, you are bigger than me. You are beyond me. This stretches me. This is gonna, this, I need to surrender. Some things maybe need to be sacrificed. And that takes some fear of the Lord. God, I, I'm in awe of that. But he's not just a Lord to be in awe of and fearful of. There is a healthy respect of like, he's God and I'm not. But he's also the God of all comfort. And he wants to comfort and build up and strengthen his body through his presence, through his people yielded to him. And so let's invite him to do that more and more in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us and for the life that we have in you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you come and you fill us with your presence. God, God, I pray that this morning would not, God, it wouldn't just be the wax museum. It's not just us sitting and talking about what you're like. Lord, I, I pray more and more we would be experiencing your presence in our lives individually and in our church body corporately. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and produce fruit in us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and give gifts that we would be built up in love. Lord, help us all to just be open and sensitive to what you might want to build in us that's new. God, may we be open and sensitive to what you might want to repair or heal. And God, may we be open to walk with purposeful unity with one another for the mutual upbuilding of the body. And we humbly ask you to come and do that in our hearts and in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen.